Welcome to Relatable. This is your host, Teresa Freeman. This episode is part one of a two-part podcast. I had the pleasure of talking with two very good friends who have a unique story and perspective that I think you will all enjoy and also find inspiring. I speak with Missy, my trusted producer, and her husband, Larry. Larry is from the projects on the south side of Chicago, and Missy is from rural Utah. And that's just the beginning. One of the best parts of hosting a podcast is learning new things and tackling interesting topics. In this two-part series, we cover a lot of ground, growing up in the projects, living up to your full potential, what it's like being in an interracial couple in marriage, code switching, as well as raising interracial children. No topic was out of bounds. We hope you enjoy these two episodes. Hello, Larry and Missy. Thank you for joining me today. I'm so excited to have this conversation. Happy to be here. <laughs> I think this is going to be a difficult conversation, not because of content, but because Missy and I will not be able to keep a straight face and not laugh. Right. Um, no, seriously, thank you so much for doing this. I've been uh, wanting to talk to you guys together for a long time, and I feel like um, you both have such interesting stories and then combined a great story, so I really appreciate it. And um, I like to start conversations typically with just a little bit of background because uh, what I find so interesting are people's stories and how they navigate their life and how they sort of end up where they are and that it's never quite a straight line. It's always this like, <laughs> you know, circular or um, sort of twisty turn kind of road to get to where you want to be. So. I feel like people can learn from others and how they got to where they are. So that's what I'm hopeful here is that people will get a little something out of your story. All right. So thank you, thank you. And um, so Larry, we'll start with you. All right. <laughs> um, and we, I should say that we all know each other. We're very good friends and we all um, live in the same neighborhood together. So that's kind of how we know each other. Um, but Larry, maybe start a little bit with your background, where you grew up. Um, I know it's an interesting tale <laughs> and a little bit different than, you know, most of us here in the old Northern Virginia suburbs. Right. <laughs> right. Um, I grew up on the south side of Chicago. Um, and uh, that, a lot of stuff comes with that. I mean, it's, uh, it's potentially worse now, but it was definitely a, not the... Simplest of environments or the easiest of environments, uh, there was, you know, there was violence and it was a little bit rough. Um, I was born in a, uh, what I guess we would call projects called uh, Robert Taylor Homes. Uh, then we moved to London Town, which was a Section 8 community growing up on the south side as well. Um, there were, but I will say that I wasn't even really aware of what that, what that meant. Probably until I was eight. Really? When I wanted to go, when I tried to go outside. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I, I, both my parents were, I'm the oldest of three. Uh, my parents were together uh, first, and then eventually they wanted to get divorced. Uh, so it was my mother, uh, me, my brother. Oh, and you're both the oldest. Yes, yeah. both the oldest. Oh. Yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. Paul yeah. and I are both the youngest. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> so we fight for who can be the baby. Do right. you guys fight for who can be the leader? Um, <laughs> yes, a little bit. Sometimes. <laughs> there there might be a, 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 just a little bit of power struggles in our house every once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> can I ask a question the about box. the projects? And this is um, really naive on my part. That's all right. I feel like I don't have, obviously, that experience. Um, what... What does that look like? Like, are you? I picture like an apartment building. Yeah. And like several apartment buildings. <laughs> yeah. So is it's that? a real. Yeah, it's a real. T- it's uh, there are again. There are better and there are worse ones. But this is a real tall apartment building. There are several apartments clearly within it. Um, it it on face value it doesn't look any different than an apartment building here in Northern Virginia, Virginia per se. Um, the real difference is one the economic structure of how people wound up there and what led the people living there together um a lot of times it's government subsidized sometimes it's placed so 
to go off on a bit of a tangent. Yeah. So, so as some of this is my own ideology, some of this is fact, a little mixture of both. So yeah. as the state governments or different governments wanted to set up affordable housing, because they won't call it projects, it's a housing project, it's affordable housing. What that winds up being is a lot of the uh, a lot of minorities in a lot of places wind up living there because that is who is the yeah. lower income population at that particular time. Over time, um, one of the hardest cycles to try and break is the cycle of cycle of poverty. So then, generations after generations after generations wind up staying there, right, forever. And then it is what it is. And then everything around you is lower. Is lower socioeconomic, exactly. right? So in terms of the businesses and it, the just the environment, all the whole environment, right? Right, exactly. Okay. And it's changed somewhat now because they realize that they put a lot of these um, project buildings in desirable neighborhood like areas like lakefronts and like districts that are nice so they paid to move a lot of those folks out tore them down rebuilt million dollar condos right on the exact same land yeah. where they were that's happening here too yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> the so, gentrification yeah. so you move yeah. out the suburbs and the suburbs are changing now and then the city is becoming more and more um, affluent but and then there are all kinds of social economic things that are that nobody necessarily really talks about. The fact that the streets surrounding a lot of the projects of Chicago are reinforced with uh, steel in case they ever had to roll tanks in. Like, that's an oh, actual fact. Really? Yeah, in the design of the city, they reinforced the streets leading up to the, a lot of the projects with steel in case they had to roll tanks in, in case the natives got restless or whatever. I don't know. But, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when you lived there, you said you're the oldest of three. Yes. And you're, when, how old were you when your parents got divorced? Uh, I was in third grade, maybe fourth grade. So yeah, pretty young, yeah, and yeah. then your siblings are really young. Yeah, so yeah. Did you have to take on a role of dad in that situation, or oh, there was, was your dad around? My dad was around. Um, there was there was some things that I had to do, but fortunately, uh, we. Did you, mo- I'm sorry, I just assumed. Did you live with your mom? Did you I live with my mom. Yeah, okay. I live with my mom. Yeah, but my grandmother uh, lived like in the same housing unit as us so she was kind of like across the street sort of from us um so she was there um my mom's sisters her aunt my aunts lived there as well until they moved out as well so there was there was a community of people of people um and frankly we weren't dissimilar i mean we were like everybody else there right i mean there the the male influence where i grew up was not large there wasn't i i remember i remember a lot of moms and aunts and grandmas and yeah. I don't remember a whole lot of men a ton of them. Again, there are definitely, I don't mean to paint it as like the most destitute of situations, you know. Right. It's not Faluzula, but I, I am, <laughs> I, but there there was definitely a destitute of, sure. of some male role models. And then know. was your dad, did your, what job did your dad have? Did oh, he was a fireman by, oh. by trade, yeah. Uh, he worked for the, for the county or wow. the district, park district for a while in athletics, and then he uh, became a Chicago fireman and retired as a lieutenant. Wow, and then your mom? She's a school teacher. Or right. was a school teacher. And she's what retired. did she teach? Did she? So she uh, she taught, most of my knowledge, my memory is kindergarten. Okay. But I taught kindergarten, and then she taught third, and then eighth. And then she became, um, I guess, an IB coordinator, which is International Baccalaureate. Baccalaureate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when she uh, left. And she was assistant principal sometime, um, but primarily at really two schools, Kellogg and Barnard. And then just growing up, and then I see I want to talk to you a little bit too about your background, but mm-hmm. growing up for you, more your young, like those kind of through seventh, eighth grade, mm-hmm. um, was it tumultuous? Was it like a, because you said it, you're surrounded by like people and you have this sense of community, like at what point do you realize that it's maybe rough or whatever? Yeah. yeah I, well, I identified for myself, and not necessarily just because of uh, of the neighborhood or whatever, but just for how things were. Like I had, I knew I had to leave. You, I knew I how knew early? early, probably sixth grade. Really? Yeah. Like at, at, that's twelve. Yeah. So mm-hmm. at twelve years old, you're already thinking. I gotta get out of here. Like, and you know that there. Do you know there's something else to get to? Like, do you have a sense of like? Uh, not at that point in time yet. Uh, I didn't really know where I wanted to go or what I wanted to do. Um, right. But I knew that I wasn't going to. That wasn't going to be. Yeah, it was. Okay. It was bad for everyone. It was. It would have been bad. It was bad inside the house, and some of it was pressure just because of the environment itself. It was bad outside of the house. Now again, it's not like I. It wasn't. There weren't bombs dropping. You know, I didn't have food. Right. You know what I mean? But it was definitely wasn't the best of situations. Right. Um, but I knew I wouldn't. I had to leave. 
and and it was probably best for everyone's sanity, and and probably my own safety, um, right. for me to uh, get out of there. All right, so we'll come back to you, juxtapose. <laughs> so, so Missy, tell me a little bit about where you grew up and what that experience was like. Okay, very different from his. I was born in small town in Utah, and um. Then, I mean, you know, we moved to probably an even smaller town when I was infant. I heard stories about where I was born, but um, then, uh, but I mean, you know, it was right outside of the big city of Salt Lake and between Salt Lake and Ogden, there's like one, one interstate that runs right through the middle state of Utah and everything is right off of that. So in Northern Utah, there was one elementary school, one gas station, what was a all farm stuff. Yeah. Um. And I mean, that was it, you know, my whole family lived around us. My dad has 11 brothers and sisters and um, my mom had two brothers and we all just kind of lived around each other. So it was a huge family thing. And I mean, you know, family reunions were Wednesday nights or weekends or, you know, anything like that. So very different from that, just farm country. And um, my great grandpa had a farm, so we would spend a lot on the farm. Yeah, but I mean, for fun stuff, you know, it was. We would just go hang out at his house and, you know, all right, let's go feed the pigs or get chicken eggs or whatever. So um, very much like that. I mean, it was also, you know, when we would call to talk to my grandma and my uncles who were, because there's 11 of them. I mean, my youngest uncle was only six years older than I am. So it would be like a, you know, big joke that, oh, she's out, you know, feeding the pigs. So because you have to go find her there or whatever. So, um, yeah, it was just country. Was it idyllic? Like, would you, would you sort of think of it, do you think of it in very, like, happy? Yeah. Like, it was very Definitely. happy. Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And were you, um, in terms of your parents, what kind of work did they do? They both worked for the government. My dad was, um, my dad signed up. After my parents got married, um, my dad enlisted in the Army um, because he was like, oh, look, it's, you know, career, it's. Yeah something that's going to get me somewhere and you know whatever so then he left I want to say when I was like two I think because my mom are just stories that I hear but he left for basic training um, and was gone for three months and then came back and um, I remember and then he finished college they got married very young I think my dad was 22 my mom was 21 Um, I remember going to my dad's college graduation and um, yeah 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 yeah, I remember that for sure. And then um, they both worked for the IRS because that's what there was there. You were either, you know, in the military, worked for the IRS, or you worked in the factory. So he didn't have to so. leave or be deployed once he was? Deployed? No, not then. I mean, this was, you know, oh, early that's... 80s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He did not get deployed until 2000, after September 11th. That was the first time that he ever got deployed. He would travel, but he was never, I mean, you know, and he would go on TDY or whatever and be gone for a few months, but he could always he would fly home once a month or whatever and was he career military like did he retire in the reserves he he was in the reserves and he retired um feels like forever ago we were just talking about this other day it might have been maybe five years ago that he retired i don't know but anyway so yeah he retired as a lieutenant colonel and so So not a lot of discord not a lot of like wasn't very tumultuous no Mm -mm. um pretty easy no yeah okay yep and then um come back to you in okay. terms of college like how yeah. you sort of made that transition and what okay. were some of your thoughts about that but okay. for you Larry when you started talking about you had to get out um when did you leave and how did that work <clears throat> well I there's no way to sound, say this without sounding arrogant at all but so I've always been very smart I've always, and whether I was smart or not people kept telling me I was so and scores but, indicated it um so I had opportunity to leave uh, and go to go away to high school. So I've always been in gifted programs mm-hmm. through school, uh, pretty much from actually all the way through. Now that I can think about it, um, so I went to Keller for elementary school, and then I went to uh, Whitney Young uh, for seventh, eighth, and ninth. And then uh, there's, there's a school in Illinois called Illinois Mathematics and Science Academy. Um, the tagline is one of the three, nation's three residual high schools for the education and advancement of exceptional youth. Oh. So, the simplest of values, is, the simplest of expressions is a boarding school for gifted. But I'm not like an X-Man or anything. But, right. Um, but 
But the yeah, people he yeah, yeah exactly Let's not exactly, limit exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the people he went to school with though did start YouTube. Yes, yes, <laughs> so yeah. it's kind of brainy. Uh, people started YouTube. People started OKCupid. Okay people that like that. These are the kind of people that that I, I was as far as sheer brilliance. I was on the I guess the lower to mid end of that. You know, <laughs> of that. But I was there, and I was going to be there. Can I ask a question about that? Because um, we talk a lot about, well, we talk about this period of time. So did school come very easy to you? Was it like you could, were you a hard worker? Or no. was, no. Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, I, so I, it came easy. Yeah, it came easy. <laughs> I, I, um, I would identify pretty, there, I shouldn't say I never had any challenges, but I would identify pretty easily what I had to do to get by. I recognize that a B plus or a B was the same as an A, um, so I could either try extra hard to get an A, or I can do enough to get a B or a B plus, and it was still sufficient. Yeah. I, and I also did not see the value of homework, where I recognize the point of homework, which is a horrible lesson for the kids that are listening. <laughs> but the reality is that the purpose of homework is is the repetition of the sure. skill so that you learn it. Right. right. I've got it. Here's a test. I passed the test, so why don't I need to keep? Why don't, I'm not going to do your work just because you said do it, and that became that became kind of became my attitude. And I think I kind of still have that attitude. Um, but so that was the uh, so if there was a challenge at all, it was that because right. I, because I wasn't willing to just go with the flow or just accept the system as being what it was. Right. Just saying yes, I'll no, I'll do it just because. Um, but I, yeah, I didn't do it that way. You didn't do that way. Yeah. Uh, I think sometimes that's the hardest, right? If, if you if things come very easy to you, and do you have a photographic memory? I wouldn't. Well, so Melissa, my wife, is this, this is was, Melissa. Yeah. When I always Melissa, when I get uh, in trouble, right? Uh, when yeah, I yeah. <laughs> Melissa, she, she says Missy, yeah, and I and I don't even call her. I call her Miss or Melissa. Right. But I uh, when I'm in trouble, Melissa, right? I mean, I, to some degree, yes. To some degree, yes. I mean, not not yeah. like in a scare. Well, not in a scary yeah. way. But here's the other thing to think about with that is I've always been around people like that. So yeah. some of the things that some people think are unique or amazing or I don't know what the word right. is. Right, different, different, different Yeah, for yeah. me, I'm like, I, this was a norm. Because of where you went to high school. Because I went to high school, were, where I went to grammar school. Like, it was always smart kids. So I don't necessarily recognize some of these things as being, when people say that I'm like doing something great, I'm like, I don't I, yeah. That's what I do. <laughs> like I don't know any other way. You know what I mean. So when you were positioned for that school to uh-huh. go away, w- was there any debate? Were you at all afraid to? I mean, you're young, right? To yeah. leave and, and go away, like, or were you so at that point, like, I I know this is <clears throat> a way out. Yeah. Well, I knew it was a way. So at home, my mother and I weren't getting along. That was obvious, um, and. My, my, so it's my parents are divorced. My, I do have an older stepbrother. Actually, yeah, two stepbrothers, but an older one that actually uh, went there as well. And so my mom has always been a little bit of a, I'll say she was sometimes cautious of new situations. Um, so this would have been a new situation for me to right. leave at 13 and a half to go away to school when I was ready to go. But the fact that my older stepbrother Brian had already gone. Um, made it a little bit less scary. She would there be somebody there. I didn't like grow up with him, anything, but there was somebody there. Right. Um, so I applied and. What it. was? What do you think was at the root of you not getting along together, you and your mom? Um. I I think that. I've thought about this a lot, especially now that I'm a parent. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Me too. Uh, actually. Yeah. Exactly. I, I think that. Whether it was true, I'll, let me answer it this way because this is recorded for posterity. <laughs> I know. It's like they, it's like everyone's choosing their words. Exactly. <laughs> I think that whether it was true or not, I thought that I was on par or a peer with her in terms of ah. intellect. So if I felt like I was equal with you, I felt like I didn't have any reason to listen to you. And I didn't respect a position simply because of a position. That's my side of it. Um, for her side, I would argue the exact opposite. Regardless of how smart or dumb I was, um, I was her child, so therefore a subordinate. So that is an inherent conflict. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. So I was. So we would. And and I'm very I'm, I'm argumentative, and and I 
But I actually, sometimes I do it just for the sake of enjoyment. Like, I don't even necessarily know what I'm arguing. I'm just doing it to be arguing. <laughs> um, That's got to be fun to be married. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, well, I'm a debater. Let's call it that. Right. Yeah. I like to debate. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, she, and she. And then what she, about she, your well, other siblings? Like, were your other, did your other siblings have um, the same kind of friction? Or was it really more, like, just personalities, you know? It was, you, it was more personality. Yeah. I mean, so, so my, I'm. How old I am? My sister is three and a half years younger than me, and then my brother is seven years younger than me. Um, no, they did not. So my brother was uh, more was the baby, um, and he, for most, he didn't know much of the both sides. He only really knew my mom. Like he, right. he knew. My, I mean, we all we all knew my dad. It was he's definitely around. I'm not saying he wasn't around. Right. He's still around. Um, but he grew up in that household pretty much with that, with my mom as being the sole the parent mom, yeah. until she got married again. And then she did get, she did remarry, um, and she's still remarried. But there was now there was another male in the house as well, which was never a conflict for me as well. But I never saw him as a father in any way, shape, or form. He was my wife, my mom's husband, not right, my right. Not and my it, you, were you gone by the time they got married? Uh, I was gone. Yes, they so were together, you but were I was even... gone. Yeah, I came back for the wedding. You know, right, like, yeah. right. Um, but they were in the house together, so there was another male father figure in the house. That was there. And when you got to that school, um, did you find, like, did you thrive there because it was more challenging? Did you feel like it was an opportunity to seize or did was it more of the same in terms of you figured out the system? Is that sort of your MO? Like, that I'm gonna, bit, yeah, it's, you a bit of, it's a bit of my MO, but I, it wasn't as easy. I mean, it was definitely a harder course yeah. of, of education yeah. or schooling. Um, so it wasn't as easy, and I did struggle at times. Uh, my first semester there, I didn't do that well because I tried to do the same thing. I tried to just wing it, and it didn't quite. Yeah. You know, you're doing multivariable calculus, and you're 13. It's a little bit harder, <laughs> harder to wing it. Um, <laughs> but um, and I wasn't the smartest kid in the class anymore, and like all those kind of things, like the dynamic changed. Um, I, in terms of. A dynamic in terms of how that school was set up. Um, again, it was there was probably six hundred some odd kids at the at this school. Is it far away from about an hour and a half outside of the city? Okay. Outside of where I lived in the city, uh, in Aurora, Illinois. Um, it is diverse in the broadest of sense, but in the sense of my own reality, it was not diverse. I was one of three black males that graduated, one of eleven black total wow. that graduated in, the, in my class. Um, there was way of all the black males that went there, um, two of us were related to each other, so that gives you an idea, right? Right, <laughs> you know, right. I mean, so there's not a ton of, yeah. uh, and that's just us. And there were a couple other brothers, is it combos. expensive or were you scholarship? So, so, no, it's scholarship, so it's it's a public school by definition, it's under state funding, okay? Uh, I think we paid like 600 bucks, I'm like, there's like a there is a nominal amount that you have to pay for to cover something but it is scholarship yeah you, we don't pay for it we did wow. not pay. if we had to pay for it i would not have been able to right pay. right um but the the but i think it's under the university system in the state but yet it's still high school it's kind of a weird dynamic it was a pet project for uh-huh. superintendent and right. the other people and there's three of them i think in the country now are they still they still oh it's still oh it's definitely still there do you do any like no Alma, alma mater, you know, alumni stuff. No? no, I mean, I've gone to reunions, but, yeah. um, I mean, again, like, these are, the, the people that came out of these schools are titans in tech and titans in med, and, like, if you, if you've done something in science or math or anything related to that, they've probably touched your life, you don't even know that they have. Right. I'm not that guy. Right. Um, so... I don't necessarily re- relate to some of those things, right. and my world is completely different. Um, but I am proud to say that I that I went there, and it was very formative. And it, I think, it helped me. The lack of diversity, or the different kind of diversity, uh, taught me how to interact in the world that I'm in right now. Because that's the world I'm in right now, where I am, right. I am still one of few, and I have to interact with people that aren't don't come from similar backgrounds as on my own. And so, to some extent, I've become a bit of a Xenophile, you know, I remember you you saying this, and it's come up. It's so funny how you you hear something for the first time, and then it comes up over and over. Like you're like, like, oh, the universe is teaching me something. But how you um, can 
change how you yeah. speak and how you <laughs> show up. Code switching. Yeah. 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 I, I code switch. I couldn't even tell you how many times a day I do this. I mean, probably a little bit less now because of what I do, but yeah, from how I speak to people, when I, how I grew up, to how I would speak to people at school, to how I speak to people at home, how I speak to people at home. And now I still do it to my professional life, to my home life, yeah. to my family, meaning Melissa's side of the family, to my family, meaning my side of the family. Like does it ever feel like you can't just be you? Or yes. It, it does. So the result is I don't necessarily know that I have it. My identity is all these identities. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Yeah. You don't yes. even know who yeah, you are. Exactly, right. Yeah. This is yeah, your identity. Yeah. And my That's identity what you is do. I'm a chameleon by definition. And would you say by necessity? By necessity to some degree, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I, I, but I revel in it. I enjoy it. I like being that. Um, you do? Yeah. But there are times when I'm like... I don't, you know, what would I, what would I be if I just wasn't, if I right. just left like, my own devices? Do you have a version that's your most comfortable self, or can you, like, what, what would that be? Um, which is probably surprising for me to say this. Yeah, it's probably when I'm not talking to anyone. Really? Yeah, I'm just in a room by myself. Like I'm, I, it's probably doesn't exist, but I guess an, an extroverted introvert. Right. That's, that's <laughs> no, it does. That exists. That exists. One hundred percent. Yep. Yeah, I, I um. Even something as silly, we joke sometimes, like, I, I do play video games sometimes, and sometimes the kids play video games to, to interact with each other, and like, yeah, don't you want to play, or don't you want to play, on, like, yeah. I play to not interact with anyone, <laughs> like, yeah. I don't want to play anything online, where I, where I have to interact with the world, like, it's just your shutdown just, time, it's my like, shutdown, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, and, um, and then yeah. do you feel kind of refueled after that, like, have you figured out that those are some things that yeah, work that works for me, um, yeah. Laundry works for me. Yeah, <laughs> because I, yeah, because yeah. it's a task that has a beginning and an end. Yeah, like it starts off dirty. There's a whole bunch of them, <laughs> and then at the end, it's clean, and you put it away, and, and it's done. Right like, for about five seconds. Yes. And yeah, then. Well, we have But it does have a task that has a beginning and an end. Most of my world never has an end, so the concept of a task that has an end. Yeah, I, there's something cathartic about that that I enjoy. Okay, really quick, and then we'll go to Missy too. But what, in terms of leaving that school, it was a science, like a tech and math, yeah. science too, or just tech yeah. and math? Illinois Mathematics and Science. Okay. okay. So then, as you think about your future and leaving there, what opportunities are available to you, and how do you manage that? Um, okay, so I did not, when I was really, really young, I thought about a career in, in science. Like, I, who didn't want to be an astronaut, right? right. And then I thought I wanted to. Probably could have been. Yeah, so at some point in time, I thought <laughs> I wanted to be an right. um, Then there's a period of time where I thought I wanted to be a neurosurgeon. Um, but the reality was once I got there, and again, being a bit of a contrarian, since everybody around me was that, I, I did not go in that direction at all. Mine was way more in terms of the uh, uh, the arts as opposed to the yeah. sciences, right? So I knew I wanted to... I left there wanting to be a, a diplomat or foreign service officer, something like that. You work for oh. the UN. I knew I wanted to do that. Um, so I pretty much only uh, significantly considered schools in D.C. Okay. Um, I knew I was coming out here because that. if that was what I wanted to do, I figured I had to be in it, right? Right. Um, I wanted to be a CIA agent. I wanted to be an FBI agent. I wanted to, I, all Everything like that appealed to me. Um, and I think some of the the agent stuff kind of appealed to me also because of I spent my whole life right. transforming so right. I was like let me transform for a living right. yeah <laughs> you know, yeah you, know, you romanticize it I know a lot of it is actually paperwork and that kind of stuff <laughs> but in my head you know you're James oh. Bond you know, yeah. <laughs> you know? absolutely um, so that's what I wanted to do and I knew I wanted to get out here to do that so everything I did was geared toward that I was way more into the arts and the languages and the history and the, into that kind of thing and communication things I yeah took languages and I did things because I never wanted to have language or yeah, anything. Yeah, so you can speak. Yeah, tell me. Have you so talked? I speak Spanish. Uh, I speak German and, of course, English. Um, and as a result of that, I understand bits and pieces of a lot of other languages as well. Yeah. I took Japanese for a little bit, but I don't claim to speak that at all. Right. Um, but I understand little bits of, of And you were Italian. an athlete also, right? Did you play? Yeah, I did play. Uh, it, it Playing sports at... At the Illinois Mathematical Science <laughs> It's not the same as playing sports in the rest of the city. Yeah. yeah. You know? Um, yeah. We had t-shirts made that said, don't worry about it, we're academic. 
<laughs> one of the best, one of the cheers. That they get. <laughs> that's all right. That's okay. You'll work for us someday. <laughs> that was literally one of the cheers we had. But we, we weren't, we weren't the best. Um, he has a shirt that says, "Ems is still the only undefeated football yeah, yeah, team yeah, in yeah, the country," yeah, or something like that. Thirty years football undefeated because yes. we didn't have a football. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I love it. But some of the, uh, but I, our our girls' sports programs actually did very well uh, growing up uh, because. I think that in women's sports, there's less of a distance between excellence in academics yeah. as there is and excellence in athletics. They tend to, a lot of them are the same, more than the same, and it does not necessarily That's equal that in boys, in boys sports. Um, mm-hmm. And a part of that is how it's the social structure of how we've said it's okay for a boy to be able to, he doesn't have to be smart. He's, look at him throw that football. Look at him kick, shoot. He can shoot. He can kick. Like, right. Whereas, oh, she's so... She's got A's, and well, what are you gonna do with this? You need to be smart as well, and she's pretty, and like right. There's that's other, a whole other conversation, but right. so, so <laughs> we, we, exactly, yeah, we put different <laughs> things on females than we do on uh, on on men. So you have to identify what you're gonna be um, early on. So I guess I was in that world. I was as close to a jock as could right. get, but you know that was I that a factor in school in college or not? Uh, it was. I mean, it it. It was part of, of my where, you... where, I, where I spent my time, where I worked, how I you know how school was paid for. Uh, it was a it was a big part of my life, um, and I I still think of it in that way, but not in the sense of like let me overperform or even the sense of physical fitness, but really in terms of camaraderie and um, right. I, I think team building is really great uh, for it. I don't really care whether you never ever play or you're an all star. Like I, yeah. I I definitely advocate kids being part of. Something I don't care if it's the chess team. I don't care if it's right. robotics team or debate club or whatever. Like student be, government, student government, yeah. be on some team so that yeah. you can learn to work together uh, with others later on. Because the world is not you don't get to work in a vacuum. Correct. And yeah, as you know, my passion is about that now. Right. right? Trying to help people collaborate a little bit better and be able to communicate effectively. Um, okay, so let's pause and we'll go to Missy in terms okay. of your um, move from middle school to high school. Okay. Okay, so Missy. Yes. Tell me a little bit. You, you were, we last left you in your idyllic, happy farmland Right, in our her farmland and childhood. with your family. And right. And it's like, seems awesome. Yeah. And so what are you thinking about when you were going, like, were you a good student? We, Did you like the There, school? yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, it was Utah. It's easy PC, right? Yeah. I mean, so um, my parents actually got transferred here to the D.C. area for work um, the summer between my seventh and eighth grade year. So okay. that's when we moved here. Um, big culture shock? Huge. Okay. I mean, I was ready to come out here and change the world, right? Like, I was like, I'm going to be the person, because in Utah, like everybody Mormon, and it's all about, like, missionary work and everybody should hear about you know what the mormons believe and learn about jesus and all that stuff not always like that but that was a huge i mean it's the culture right it's how people live and um so i was going to come out here and change the world gosh darn it i mean you know i was like it was gonna be like me similar for different reasons this feeling of wanting to get out of that situation i didn't not really i mean no i just it was something i mean it was people never left right i mean we were when we were leaving my grandma my mom's mom was pissed i mean she was like ready to write my mom out of the will and you know i can't believe you're abandoning me not that there was anything to be had in her will but you know it was like like she i mean it was people were upset even you know friends and everything because nobody ever left and um but we got out here and um i think we pulled in the day before i turned 13 and um were your parents like risk takers do you think like mm, make that move i think so i mean yeah they were like this is something that's going to be a great opportunity career-wise um you know go go farther than we ever could here because they had kind of exactly right because they were like they had kind of maxed out where they were because there was not a lot of high level you know roles roles in that service building in utah so um you know yeah like i mean they were like we're gonna give it a try and totally thought that it would be like a five-year thing or whatever and here we are 30 years wow. later almost and um you know so still here you come in eighth grade yeah grade? eighth grade right and how yeah. was that being a new it was it was hard for the I mean you know the first my first quarter I remember that my counselor when we registered me for school looked at my grades and I was like and was like 
oh my gosh, like you are so smart. And, you know, because it was all A's or whatever. And um, so excited to put me in like all these advanced classes. And um, I was my first like C, my first D that first quarter. I mean, I was like, what is happening? It's never been difficult for me before. Mm -hmm. It was um, Hammond actually in Alexandria. So um, yeah, but then so we were just in temporary housing and apartment there for a couple months just while, and then my parents, you know, found a house that we could move into, and it was just on the other side of Alexandria, but in Fairfax County. So then I started um, at Mark Twain the second quarter. Um, you had to go to a different school? Yeah. But it was good because when we had moved here, we went to church like the morning that we drove in. We drove in like 2 o'clock in the morning. But, um, and school was starting like two days. So my mom was like, we're going to go to church and see if we can find some people so that when you guys go to school, you might know somebody there. Um, nobody in my church went to Hammond. But when we, when I went to Mark Twain, um, actually my best friend that I had met there, I mean, at church that day, you know, uh, she, she went to school there. So it was like, I was going into, you know, I knew more people there and, um, I'd also figured out how you know like okay it's harder like I actually am gonna have to work a little bit and um you know so finished eighth grade much better than I started and then went to high school went to Edison and um I mean I guess yeah school came pretty easy you know I mean I did homework and I studied and I had you know friends that it was something that was big like we were all a group of us we were into sports but it was also my friends all wanted to get good grades and so that was what I did I mean you know my art Right, right. And our graduating class was only like 225 kids, something like that. It was small. Um, but everybody was getting good grades. And I think everybody graduated from that class, which is not unheard of in Fairfax County. But, um, you know, yeah. So it was just like here, this is where the bar is set. We need to be above this. So Were you're like in terms of your family, was education important? Like, was there a sense yeah. that you were expected to? Yes. If I got anything below a B ever I mean you know then I was um I couldn't get my license when I in my junior year of high school like I couldn't get my license if I had below a B on my report card and I had one C and I threw my report card away when it came in the mail because I was like this is not happening I mean you know and what I had a C in was like a an advanced science class or something you know and I was like no no way am I not getting my license because (laughs) I have a C in this class I should you know be given a pass or something so and being part of the mormon culture and mm-hmm. religion you know in high school like i remember i don't know that we knew i know there were some that went to my high school not right a ton, but i right. do remember there's a lot of like stereotypes that you mm-hmm. can't drink and you right. can't have soda and you can't there's right a lot of can't, 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 can't. right how many moms right. do you have <laughs> right i got that question so much when we first moved here <laughs> yep um, always so yeah how did that impact you um, or did it? It did a lot. I mean, you know, when I, yes, when I came, um, I mean, you know, I was gonna be proud and tell everybody that I was Mormon, and you know, like, because I was gonna change that stereotype, and you know, people were gonna get to know. But it was, it was like, well, you can't have soda, you can't have iced tea, like you, you know, how many moms do you have? And you know, yeah. it took a minute, and even still to this day, people from school that. I mean, social. That's why social media is great. Like you can keep tabs on everybody. But when before it, it existed, we went back for like five year reunion, ten year reunion. You know, that would be the thing that people remember. They'd be like, "Can you drink iced tea?" Yeah. I mean, you know, it was like dumb right. stuff like that, right? And um, and uh, did you feel aligned to it, or did you question it? Like your your um, talked about being contrarian. Like, did you? also question it I started questioning it after I had been here I mean you know when I first moved here heck no because everybody that I came from believed the same thing there was nothing there was no other influences yes like you're you're starting to question it right right tell me how that goes and how does that work in your family um I mean just are you um openly questioning it or is yeah oh yeah, yeah yeah for sure I mean you know because then also coming here where there's five people in my school that maybe you know believe what I believe or even you know in the area our youth group was way smaller than um you know what I had come from and my sister was even one of those people so you know it was very small and um you know then of course like all the questions and then you know then I hit high school and I um you know start doing I mean I was always a gymnast but I hit high school and I do gymnastics and then I decided to you know try out for cheer so then I'm a cheerleader 
and um, because I tumble, you know, like then I'm I'm varsity. And so then I'm hanging out with all the athletes, you know, like all the varsity athletes, football players, basketball players, because that they had cheer both of those seasons, you know, when I was in school. And, um, you know, so then, I mean, I was like, and my best friend, too, who was Mormon, she was like, you got to stop this. Stop running around like trying to change the world. This is not how this works around here. And I was like, OK. And, um, you know, so I did. But I was also encouraged to question it. I mean, you know, everybody says you have to. Like, you find your own path to what you believe. And um, so, you know, why are you smiling? Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. You find your own path. And, um, you know, like, is it is it really what you believe? And so, right. like, I definitely took some detours and um, still do some Did your parents know you were detouring? And yeah. was there ever conversations with you about sort of correcting your mm-hmm. path? Oh, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All the time when it was my mom. My mom started... Um, I mean, you know, it, it, a big fear of hers is, and even still to this day, and she does it with our kids because, you know, she's like, don't go off the path, right? Like, it's like, yeah. no, I can't, you know, don't don't believe something different than me or don't question things or, you know, like, we all have to be there together. And um, so, you know, we, yeah, so for we sure. we were raised Catholic and mm-hmm. we talked a little bit about this, but um, my husband and I, you know, we've talked a lot about how for our parents in the depression in particular, Catholicism was for them, like you hung mm-hmm. on tight. Yeah. It was a way to get through that for them. Right. It was a way that people had community and mm-hmm. pulled together. And it was, right. you know, and obviously just certainly generational um, in terms of our family. Yeah. But but what's interesting, Paul is certainly yeah. <laughs> defected. Yeah. And, um, and I'm not nearly um as completely aligned as right certainly my parents and i'm one of five and i'm the only one uh-huh. that's really still active in the yeah. church and there's obviously been a lot more recently within catholicism yeah. that um, right. is worth questioning i thought i'd right. be a priest for a while right right <laughs> and so um so it's just i think for parents yeah. or or if we had something and i don't know what our something is but that we so closely identified with or right. believe so much in you understand that for your right. kids you know, you right. want that, but I think being challenging mm. and figuring out your own path is really important. Right. Um, yeah. So then, um, for you generally, like, so in being part of that whole athletic community and by association, you think popular people, right? right? Because that's, yep. how, it works. that's yeah. how, how it works. That's how it works. Yeah, for sure. And then you go to like drinking and parties, right? right. Because that's yeah. kind of what the popular people Right. Do. That's what we, I mean, yeah, that's yeah. what there was to do. Right. I mean, yeah. you know can't do anything else right. so parents would go out of town and <laughs> we're going to this person's house or whatever you know and it's also I mean you Did know you was, ever feel like was there guilt on your part no or were not you, really no yeah. I mean you know it no there wasn't it wasn't guilt but it was also um you know I knew that I was getting up and I was going to church on Sunday mornings because the repercussions of not going were way worse right like it was like okay that's fine you don't have to go to church it's a choice for you to go or not go but you know, then you are going to um, I'll pull all these dishes out of the cabinets and you will wash them by hand while we're gone, right? You'll be productive if you're not going to church. So then right. it was always like just easier to go because that argument was just not worth it. Yeah. And, um, you know, my dad used to say, my mom, before we would ever leave all the time, would just say, remember who you are and make good choices. And she still says that to this day, right? Kids. Right. <laughs> and to us when we go out, right? But um, and then my dad would say, my dad would always say, oh, no, you can make your own choices till you start making the wrong ones. And then I'm yeah. making those choices for you. Right. And um, mm-hmm. right. But so, I mean, you are free to make and the choice. But not for close to your parents. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I know we joke yeah. about right. certain things, but right. generally like very tight relationships, yes. very close. Yes. Whereas for you. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I'm as close as, as Melissa is. Uh, I don't know many people that are <laughs> um, but i mean yeah. i mean i it's gotten better i mean my mom she does live here now she lives not that far from us in woodbridge um and my dad lives in florida um and you know we talk and communicate with her but i am i've always been very much about trying to set my own way and trying to set my own path you, know, you can get they can teach you to fly or they can kick you out the nest yeah. I'd much rather just be kicked out the nest and figure it out yeah and that's just but that's just how I operate everybody's not like that 
So really, I want to talk a little bit about how y'all like kind of managed through college and then kind of how you picked your, what you wanted to focus and concentrate in. Um, and then talk a little bit about, you know, your relationship and the impact that's had and then for your kids too. But so when you're, um, you went to GW yeah, and you, did you go there on an athletic? So I went there, uh, I went there on a scholarship, um, and for, so it was, it was a combination scholarship. It was, but the main, the most of it was presidential scholarship, which was academic to be honest with you. Okay. Um, uh, I had hurt, I had injured my knee, uh, my end of my junior year in high school, uh, which affected a lot of the athletic stuff. Yeah. But frankly, uh, that, that, was, that, that was never really yeah. my path anyway, right? Um, so I got to GW and, um, I was trying to find my way. I knew I wanted to be involved in sports, so dabbled a couple of different things. But really, I got there academically. Okay. Um, that was really the whole purpose of how I got there. Otherwise, I would not have been able to go because it's still like one of the second yeah. most expensive yeah, schools in, in the school. Yeah. Um, and I went, there's, there's a couple of colleges within the university. My college was Elliott School of International Affairs. That's what I studied. Right. Um, and that's what I knew I wanted to study because that's why I was here, right? Right. The reason I found GW, the quick story is, yeah. that, so American University actually flew me out on a recruiting trip um, when I was a senior, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they flew me out. While I was flown out by American, I visited Georgetown. <laughs> <laughs> Smart. Yeah, and then I and then I chose American. Felt exactly like. IMSA, like from my high yeah. school, it felt just like my high school, just here. Like it felt oh, very small. Like it felt exactly yeah. the same. Very campusy. I didn't. So I was like, nope. Uh, Georgetown felt too um, white. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I can see yeah, that. Exactly, right? exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Too, too upper yeah. crust, kind of not real enough. GW, uh, and for those of you that may or may not know, like it's yeah. it's like there's a school it's building urban, and then right? there's a, a an office building. I like guess literally intertwined yeah. into the city. Um, and that fit perfectly and it felt very urban and alive and, and kind of mixed. And so it was, it was perfect for me and, uh, and I don't regret the decision. And did you ever doubt going to college? Like you knew you were going to go to college. Like, yeah. That was... So it was never, I never considered the concept of not going to college. Okay. Matter of fact, it's, we're dealing with it somewhat. Now we all are right. to some degree because our kids are getting to that age where uh-huh. it may it's or may changing. not, it may or may not be, it may or may not be a thing for them. Um, it's changing. The dynamic is changing for a lot of folks yeah. as well. We have to pay for it. And now it's like, the, what's the return on the investment? Exactly it's right. It's changing, right? But like, it never, like, ever occurred to me. Yeah, it, I mean, it was 13th grade. Like, it was just, like yeah. you, <laughs> you, you were going to college. Yeah. Like, it right. never occurred to me to not go to college. And then when you were there, so you had pretty specific goals. Like, you knew yeah. what you wanted to do. How did that translate for you in terms of you know, over the four years, did you have concentration in those classes? Did you do internships? Like, how did you... Yes, I did. So, I uh, I had internship uh, with the State Department, uh, with the Bureau of Diplomatic Security, while mm-hmm. I was in school there. Um, I didn't do any time on the Hill, but I was kind of around that, that community of things. Right. Um, there's a lot of... the A lot of the professors there had formerly worked as Foreign Service officers as well, and that so that... You just had that access to that community all the time, right? Yeah. Um, everything was very international. The population was very international. You know yes. what I mean? Like, so, yeah. um, my roommates in college were from uh, Japan and then uh, Belarus and then Brazil. Wow. And then uh, what a great, Curacao. Like, what great exposure to yeah. you know, yeah. be around lots of different yeah. people and cultures. I think right. that's phenomenal. It, yeah, it became very um clear and it fit my style as well the the, the cold yeah. switching and the and but the also night. maybe for you like you're different too you know yeah. there's like this norm but then the fact that you're surrounded by a lot of different right people. yeah absolutely and I, and I thought that um I, I don't necessarily like homogenous society or anything homogenous really right. like, i like the diversity of things and um, I think one of the things also that maybe subconsciously, and I don't realize this till this exact moment, but one of the reasons I also probably wanted to leave also was that was all, everybody there was the same. Right. So I, I right. Was not, there was no way to be different because everybody came yeah. from the same ilk. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, whereas where I am now, where I was then, I was this guy. And when you say different or unique, or is it special? Like, do you do you associate that at all with like impact 
and the value that you want to bring to something? Or is it just like, I want to be, like, what is it that you want to be different from? Does that, does yeah, that um, make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think that through diversity, we all grow stronger. And that diversity could be racial, it could be um, gender, it can be any number of things. Yeah, academic, it could be social, economic, anything that could equal diversity. If we're paying attention to what the other person has gone through and then trying to incorporate that or being mindful of that when we do things going forward, I think that um, we get stronger. I think that I wanted to be in a situation where not only was I able to provide that for other people, but other people were able to provide that for me, whether they meant to or not. Right. Like, you sought it out. I sought it out. Right. Yeah, I would, yes, I would. A big thing with our kids now, I'm, and this will testify to this, yeah. is that I'm like, don't be afraid of it. Like, try it. Like, yeah. what's, the, what's the absolute worst that happens? I mean, just throw yourself out there and find out what happens yeah. and get in front of folks and, and they need to, but they also need to know who you are, right? Don't fade to the back. Uh-huh. Because not only are you not getting as much out of it as you could, but they're not getting anything out of it if you're not sharing your experience with them as well. Right. Okay, so then you did the State Department internship, and then as you leave college, assuming like academics go yeah. yeah. well for you there, were you a good Once I figured it out. Once I figured it out, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wish you all could see the big grin on his face. <laughs> so, I... I, um, the system, it, once again, another system you had it to figure yeah. yeah, so like, I had to figure the system out. So in college, it's, it's obviously different. Um, the the teacher or the professor has a, a rubric of how they want to teach a class. Correct. First semester or first year, I kind of just went along with everything, and and that was it was fine, but it didn't really work well for me. Then I realized, you know what, I... You know what? I'm not paying, but I'm paying for this education. Like, I'm here getting this, and frankly... There's a bit of a competition, obviously, in that college, in that setting as well. So right. this is for me. You, I'm glad you all are here, but really it's about me right now. So if I'm going to change the dynamic to make this class fit to what I need to do. The only way for me to do that is to be outspoken and kind of try and steer classes to make it fit what I want. So I became more active in class, participated in class. Um, if somebody had to raise their hand, I raised my hand. If somebody's in the front, I sat in the front. Like, I tried to change the dynamic to fit what I need. Um if you needed to know multiplication, but I was having trouble with addition, then we then I would ask addition questions all day long. Oh. Um, and unfortunately, if your multiplication education didn't work, that was <laughs> not really my my concern. Yeah. Uh, but I my addition so was that on point. Like just a way of getting your needs met. Like yes. were you a way of just you yes, just the squeaky out? wheel getting the oil kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. So, um, but it became more fun for me as well because it became tailored to me in that regard as well. And then my professors also knew who I was and right. yeah. So I would talk about this a lot, or it's come up a bit, and I'm such a believer in know your strengths, you know where you're, like, especially in academics too, right, depending on what the system is, like building those relationships with faculty and having them know who you are and seeing that you're engaged. That's a letter grade to me. It is. It's worth at least a letter grade or half a letter grade. Like, they're... Uh It really is. They grade the paper and they're like, it could be a B, but man, he is, you know what, it's a, it's a plus. Here's a plus. Yeah. Like, you know, because yeah, they know you're, right. like, or, then, right. or you need help and you go in and the first time they see you is when you need yes. something. Like, that should not be the first time they, they, yes. they know who you see are. You know who you are. Right. When you need something. Right. right. When yeah. you need something from them. They should know who you are when you're giving to them. It's such a good lesson in all relationships. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. a lot about networking and building relationships and you know, they need care and feeding, not just when you need something. Right. You know, right. there's an art to it, right? Right. Um, okay, so you figure out the system, and then what do you end up doing right after school? Do you end up in the no, career that you would not at always hope for? Not, not in the least. So I, <clears throat> while I left there, <clears throat> excuse me, I went and worked for Raytheon, um, the defense contractor, um, but it's not <clears throat> as awesome as it sounds either like it was definitely more facilities design and and stuff that frankly i probably was technically not qualified for but i interviewed very well (laughs) (laughs) um and uh so i was designing not just buildings and 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 office space areas but also like like the installations where like the where they do where they missiles like you know that kind of thing that's that's what i was designing like the actual aesthetics of it um <clears throat> left there like facilities so I was designing the actual facilities where things were being designed that, that was just redundant but so I wasn't like 
It wasn't a it was defense contractor, but it wasn't blank. Can I just do, what happened with like FBI, CIA? Oh, I still so it, while through this process, uh, when you apply, first of all, the process to apply for any of these positions is immense. There's and this is back when before the even computers were really a big deal. So we were actually typing. I, I think I just finally shredded mm-hmm. <laughs> typing <laughs> these these answers out. You have to fill the reports out. You have to list every single place you've ever lived for the past like ten years. Yeah. Right now, granted, I left the house at thirteen, and every semester was a different or a year was a different dorm room or like. So I had right. to list those and list references for each person, each place that I lived. Um, so it was a long process to apply. You have to apply, and then there's layers and layers of interviews, and there's polygraphs and background checks, and I guess the back. I'm sure, it's different now. Like the background check for any sort of federal employee that level was like thirty five thousand dollars. That's how much they spent to right. do a background check. Right. So the process of doing that takes a while. You can't just wait for that because right. I don't have coffers of, of daddy's money. That's <laughs> sitting, right? So I'm still going through the process. I'm getting um, going through background checks, and I'm applying for things. Um, at this point, again, I don't have any money, so it doesn't matter. So I'm willing to do anything right. uh, for the government. And uh, so I applied for a bunch of different things, and I was going through all that background check stuff. Okay. And, and so I was working at Raytheon. Okay. Um, wasn't the, it was okay. It was fine. Um, there is a version of the world where I'm still at Raytheon, you know what I mean? But I'm not there now. Um, left there, brief stint with the National Association for Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling Contractors, <laughs> which was the, the worst job I've yeah. Again, I wasn't digging ditches, so I don't want to compare it to other people's experience. But I would wake up every day. Actually, I would go to bed at night because I knew I had to get up the next day and go to work. Right. That's how bad that job was. Um, uh, that, the chain tans actually was, they gave me all for me a severance. You can either stay on. And this position, or here's a severance you can go. I was like, I took the check and right. left. <laughs> Didn't know what I was going to do. Um, still Was still in that hiring process. Uh, backgrounds for Border Patrol and right. every federal agency there was. I was still doing all this, right? And it turned out the closest thing I had as far as lining up was FBI counterterrorism. That was the rule, the agency and division I was closest to. I was going to background, polygraphs, all these different things. Uh, and in the meantime of me doing that, I had to, again, once again, make money. And I started selling cars, uh, trying to just live, really, right. in the meantime, waiting for that. I had an affinity for it. Still do. I, I was very good at it. Um, and you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Um, it was talking to different people every, every day. And is it... It's probably really good money. It was fantastic money. So <laughs> I made to... I made more in the six months of time, the first six months there, than I would have made in like a year and a half with the government. Right. Um, especially because of what I, how I approached it. It wasn't. I approached it like school. You know, mm-hmm. I, mean, I approached it like everything. Like I attacked it like I was, like anything I was doing, and I so I studied the stuff, which was easy because it's not designed for that. Um, I, I was doing the game. The internet had just become a thing as far as. Um, sales in that regard right. so I gravitated to that instantaneously so it was natural for me as well and uh, I was because I was oh, then you had the tech part I had the right? tech part for right. it right so it yeah. was just a natural and again sales in general and this is a little bit off subject but on subject is you are that that chameleon of personalities it, it is that I am whatever my client is right yeah. I get to tra- transform people buy from people that are like them and people that they like I would think it's just the ultimate challenge. Like, I, if you put me to try to stop it, right. I could not. It just seems such like anything like that, like sales of that magnitude of like you're getting someone to drop a significant amount of money. Yeah. And ha- what from your knowing you, like you're smiling over there, yeah. but that it's like a, a nut to crack or, you know. It is. Like it was like they came in, they come in, they obviously come in wanting to buy something because why would they be there? But at the same time, also wanting to not lose Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and my goal is to, to convince them they're that, they, that they're winning. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's the best sale is when you convince them of their decision. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. I'm just going to lay it guide all out you. and I'm going to guide you toward making it. So, based upon everything that I've shown you today, what do you think is the best decision? <laughs> Even my tone of voice changes when I start talking about yeah. it. Like, it, it. It does. It does. So then you're in that, and it's you're doing well. And do you ever look back? I did a couple. Uh, I still did. Um, I did in 08. 
quite a oh. bit when everything in the bottom yes. fell out. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it fell out hard, and uh, I mean, significant drop in income. The business was slow. We didn't know what the industry was gonna, how it was gonna survive. Whether I would survive it. Um, it wasn't just me anymore. Um, right. So I, I definitely looked outside of it then. Um, I, I will say this that because I had always come from that, that some of it is people keep telling you <clears throat> you're special, you're special, right? Because you're smart, right. you know, this, right? Right. No matter how I tried to spin it, I was a sale car salesman, right? That's not inherently special. <laughs> and it has some a connotation uh, to it, right? Yeah, like exactly people right. make certain like, judgments of yeah, you. Exactly right. Yes. Exactly right. So it's not an impression. Anybody can do it and everybody can do it well, but there's no, you don't need any stats or any background or any pedigree. Pedigree, thank you. Right, right. You never do that at all. You just walk in and say, well, I can fog a mirror and I can have a license. <laughs> so we'll find a place for you. Right, right. Um, so it wasn't impressive. And and to that effect, and I'm not necessarily a shy person or a shame person per se, I guess that's probably true. But we talked about, you asked me about the high school thing. Like, I never really felt like going back to talk about that because these people were like, you know, I invented something that changes blue eyes to green. Wow. Oh, I, I sold 15 kids last week. They're not mean about it. And, and nobody's judging per se, at least not outwardly, but I felt I was judging myself. Uh-huh. I also feel like I was. Do you think that was self limiting? Um, Just. No, I, I, I never let it because I always thought if you're in it, do it. And I like you're I, do you give a hundred percent when you're yeah. in something? Yep. And I when I as I began to rise from being a salesperson, sales manager to GSM, to all these different roles in right. the dealership. One of the one of the lessons I always one of the phrases I always used was burn the ships. And what I mean by that is is a, the, the Vikings would go to invade uh, a territory. They would land on the territory. And then, at the moment they land, they burnt the ships they sailed in on. So either they either won wow. or they lost. There was no retreat; was not an option. So if you want to do it 100, percent you got to burn the ships. That way, there is no retreat. Mm-hmm. Don't have a plan B. Um, and even though I had a plan B in the back of my head, but I was still <laughs> sure. act as if it did. And frankly, even though I did have a plan B, I never really was able to pursue the plan B because I was so gun ho on the plan A. And Missy will probably testify to that as well because. My dedication towards that probably affected my ability to be able to do anything else. Because I was like, I know if I'm doing this, I'm going to go all in. Did like the FBI ever come back to you? They did. Uh, they did. By the time they came around, um, that first set of everything, um, again, it, it financial. I couldn't. Yeah. I, I mean, I was 20-something in money yeah. talks. And I yeah. was like, no. I was like, I can do that later. I guess yeah. it's fine. It's, I'll be all right. Like, and any regrets? Or do you feel like... Um. Not yeah, really. yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think, I think so. As I'm entering this phase of my life, um, I think that having the pedigree, to use your word, of having some other things on my resume probably would benefit me. Um, but in terms of the actual, use another phrase you use, the actual soft skills that I've developed from doing what I do for a living or have done for a living, have enabled me to be successful at everything I've tried to do so far. Um, but on paper, it doesn't look spectacular. Like if I if I have to, if I have to do a resume right now, <clears throat> it doesn't even necessarily look that spectacular. I mean, it, if unless you know what it is, right? Like I can listen. It's a unique industry, unique industry, right? Industry, so right. people know right. that know are in is. that industry, right? What that means, but outside of it, it's a tough mm-hmm. one to really explain it because oh, you're okay, you're sales. I mean, it's huge manager. leadership, right? Yeah. You have to in order to run dealerships, your leadership qualities have to be right exceptional right there's all these it skills seems. that translate for sure exactly and you have to you're we are being told no constantly yes. constantly we're being told no by the customer we're being told no by our bosses we're being told no by the manufacturer we're being told no by legislation everything is telling us no all day long to the extent that no doesn't even have any meaning for us anymore. Like, we expect a no. As a matter of right. fact, I don't get a no, I don't know what to do. I, I lean into the no, expecting the no, anticipating the no, and therefore knowing what to say next. If I walked in and they just said, okay, yeah, sure, I'd be like, well, yeah. wait, you sure? That's, oh, right. Okay. No, wait, we didn't sit here yeah. long exactly. enough yeah. and debate. Like, they, I don't know I what to do with this. Exactly. <laughs> right. exactly. exactly. I don't yeah. feel like I heard it because there is no no. Um, so, and that's 
but that has taught me and I think I use that everywhere like I don't I'm not a, the least bit afraid of the least bit of afraid of rejection like I know I am I can say that besides legitimate losing my family like something happening yes. to them I really feel like I don't have any fears like yeah. I don't, I'm not afraid of anything like that and you're kind of in this interesting part now where you have a new job mm-hmm. and it's sort of a aligned somewhat to the industry but a little yeah. bit different right? right and then you also have some interest in politics and you're doing um, kind of the first step towards that with PTA, right? So yeah. it's interesting what I love about you and just now I know you so well, just personally, but also just I feel like anytime you feel like it's time to change, you can change. It just doesn't, you know, there's, it doesn't have to define you where you are. Right, right. If yeah. You, if you want it to be different. <clears throat> yes, I think that the... And it takes guts. It, it, when it you're, absolutely does. And um, I think that I give off more confidence about it than I actually do have in reality. Sure. I think everybody does probably. Uh, Fake it till you make it. Yeah, I say that all the time too as well. Exactly. Um, They don't know that if you're acting and they don't don't have the script on their end, just just go ahead and go with it, right? Um, But I think that sense of responsibility like to Missy and the kids and like that's changed some of the things I've been, I've some of the chances I would have taken because I do have sure. to think about that part about it because that's just that's real life, you know what I mean. Um, but outside of that, yeah, I don't because I also know that if everything falls apart, if it completely and totally dissolves, I can just go sell something, yeah, yeah. and sell it at a high level. I won't. I'll be miserable doing it, and everybody probably around me would be miserable. I turn, it's a different, I'm a different person when I do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can. I do it very well, right? And I can be very productive and very. I can make a lot of money doing it, but I just don't. It's not what my passion is per se anymore at all. Like it doesn't make a difference. There's no. It's not changing the world at all. Like she talked, Missy talked about changing the world. I want to change the world as well, and I feel like I was having no effect on the world if I was not here tomorrow. What was proof that Larry yeah. Mills was here? And there's nothing left. Well, there was nothing like that. So I need... And I decided to make a difference. And you know what's kind of cool about this? Like, um, you know, there's a, a huge article that um, Beth referenced in our last mm-hmm. interview. I think it was posted in the New York Times about how when you reach 50, people go through this, like... For the record, Senator, I am not... <laughs> you are not. You are not. Well, that's my point. So this is going to be my whole point, is that you're having this whole experience, like... 25 years. Ago. 25 years. 7, 25, whatever. Right? I think that's the thing. Like, I, I am similarly, like, finding your why and your passion and figuring out. Sometimes you have to risk a little something to gain something. And sometimes you make choices and you end up in a place that there's a lot of value you got from that for sure and a lot of skills. And then it's how do you parlay those into other things. So, um, Thank you for listening. I hope you are enjoying this episode. Stay tuned for part two. It will drop next week. We still have yet to cover several juicy topics. A special thanks to Missy, the producer, and the guest in this episode. As a reminder, if you like this discussion, please subscribe and rate Relatable on iTunes and follow us on Twitter.